Good morning, everybody. It is great to have you here. It is awesome to see everybody in the house as well as those joining us online on this gorgeous weekend as we continue our remarkable series. Now, remember, the whole heartbeat behind this series is to live in such a way that the world would see our behavior, see our conduct, listen to our conversations and, and hear the way we talk and hear seasoned with salt conversations and then ask about the hope that is within us. That's the heartbeat behind Remarkable. It's the heartbeat behind our goal for the series to live in such a way that people will go, man, there's something different. There's something you must know that I don't know. And so we've been looking for remarkable truths without, throughout the book of 1 Peter. You've been grabbing your journals and journaling along with us. If you've been writing in your own Bible or just taking mental notes throughout the process, I trust the First Peter's been very inspiring and encouraging in such a time as this. For it's a book that really speaks into the temperature of our own society, and I think you'll find that true again today. Now remember, Nero is on the throne in First Peter, and Nero is a tyrant, and Peter is writing into a, a group of believers who feel vulnerable, scared, manipulated. They sense an evil evil agenda going on behind the scenes. Uh, they, they sense that, that the, the government is coming down hard on specifically them. Nero is making up false accusations just about the Christians to make them escape for the fires he's putting up. He's torturing believers. He's torturing Christians and using them at nighttime parties as torches, burning them, sometimes even alive. I mean, Nero is the worst you could possibly think of in regards to treatment of believers. And that is where Peter walks into that and says, guys, living in that kind of society, he says, I want you to have remarkable hope, remarkable joy. What? Remarkable, have a remarkable mindset. I want you to have a remarkable reverence and a remarkable foundation. Peter's saying, I understand your circumstances. I get you don't trust their authority. I get that he is being horrible to you. I get that life is not fun right now. I get all that. But we can rise above that. We can rise above Nero. We can rise above what he's doing and live remarkable lives that people would see him and say, what is it that you have? Well, what's this week? We're calling this one remarkable submission. Remarkable submission. First Peter chapter two, verses 11 through 25. We're gonna be talking about submission specifically today in regards to the governing authorities the church Peter is writing to and how they handle themselves under that authority. I mean, can you think of another time period where it would be wiser for us to dive into these scriptures and get a feel for what God's calling us to do? Can you think of a time period where you've seen before um, Watching TV and seeing protests, seeing 
police cars being burnt, seeing government buildings being charged into, opening up your emails and, and your social media and seeing hateful speech from everywhere you go? Have you been in a time period, especially younger generation, where you've seen so much anger and malice and frustration and, and people making up what they want to see and what they believe and despising people who disagree with them. And it's filtered all the way into the church. And so what a better time period for us to talk about submission. What's the number one enemy of submission? Oh man, you're going to know it. It's going to be this word called pride. Okay. Pride hates Submission doesn't want to talk about the word submission, wants to justify reasons to not be submissive. But we can see throughout Scripture, especially in Peter, the importance of submission. But somebody's got to do something. There's an importance to submission. And what better person to teach us about that than somebody who struggled with submission? Anybody out there today, you kind of struggle with submission in scripture? I see some people going, that's why we brought him. <laughs> that's why we brought mom, okay. That's why we brought him. You got a coach, <clears throat> a teacher, oh, a boss, authority figure in your life. I mean, nobody's talking about the government these days. I mean, all sorts of things walk into this world, right? And I thank the Lord for getting to preach submission this morning to a bunch of Americans, okay? That is fun stuff, man. That is, like, sign me up for that, okay? So if I survive this, praise the Lord. But, but wherever you're watching today, you can have a, 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 some grace on us here in Pennsylvania as we uh, attack the subject of remarkable submission. I think you're gonna find a lot of neat stuff in this text for you to use as a filter in how you handle yourself, even when you're not that thrilled with the person making decisions or things, regardless of whether it's a teacher at school, a coach, a professor, a politician, a boss, whoever it is, how, God, do you want us to handle submission? Well, let's learn by what Peter taught the church under Nero. And let's put aside our but, but, and just hear it, and then we can evaluate how we lead, how we live through these filters. Heavenly Father, use your word today to inspire us, okay? To encourage us and to help guide us in our decision-making. For Lord, we wanna be the boss of our own lives. In fact, I might be in a room where people have worked really hard so they wouldn't have to listen to anybody. But Lord, you tell us that you are our ultimate authority. And you give out guidelines for how you want us to live regardless of the authorities over our lives. And so, Lord, may we hear that. May you guide us. May you tap us on the shoulder and say, this is what I have specifically for you today, whoever's here who needs this. And I pray you'll use it to grow us, specifically in an area that's difficult for us, especially when we feel we're being wronged. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
I said, I said what, what, what better a person to talk about submission than Peter? Now, now I want to go with you to the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? Now, now if you know the Garden of Gethsemane, it was this beautiful garden that sit on hillside overlooking Jerusalem. In fact, you could see people coming up the hillside to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus was known for escaping there to have his time of prayer. By the way, if the God-man needed to make time for prayer every day how much more do we think about that right but he would go away there to pray and there was a night like none other Jesus was acting a little bit differently than he normally act he was saying things like my time has come my hour is here and the guys are listening and and, and he's saying even tonight as they're sitting around this table in the darkness of the night even tonight one of you will betray me Peter Peter <laughs> I will never betray you and Jesus turns and says this to him before the rooster crows you're going to deny me three times How would that sit with you? What? I'm not, I'm not the betrayer. One of you is the betrayer. And Jesus even says at the dinner table, talk about a tense meal. Go do what you have to do, Judas. He leaves. He goes to the authorities. He's going to sell Jesus out for money. He, he, he gets together a Roman cohort and others because we have three different, the gospel accounts all, all record this event. And so I'm going to mix them all together, okay? And in doing so, he gets together this cohort. Now, a cohort would have been around 100 people, 100 soldiers, excuse me. And then they had other people. So maybe a crowd coming up the, to the Garden of Gethsemane while Jesus is up there praying. And Jesus had gone up ahead while all this is going on. And he's there with his disciples. And the scripture says, Jesus goes, hey, Peter, Peter, our author today, Peter, come here. Yeah, I want you to pray. John, Peter, pray, pray for me, Okay. Pray. Don't fall into temptation. Pray. Okay? And Jesus walks away from him. He don't want to see this. He gets down. He's praying. And he's saying, Father, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way? The idea of him asking, is there any other way? Is like, this is not, this is not something I want to do. I mean, this is going to be painful. This, this is going to be massive, horrifying torture, mockery. He's going to be spit on. He's going to be spiked nails into his hand. Father, is there any other way, Father? And he says the most incredible statement on submission ever recorded in Scripture. Memorize it. He said, not my will, but yours be done. Have you ever had to pray that? Have ever things gone not according to your will? Not my will, but yours be done. He gets up. Luke said it was a bloody prayer. He was bleeding from his eyes, Luke tells us, Dr. Luke. It, it was such a, a, a crazy, crazy, intense moment. An angel came to minister to him. It was so bad. He came back to the guys, and Peter's out like a light. But we're hard on him. But you know, Scripture says that Peter was exhausted by sorrow. I wonder if it's still hitting him. My Jesus is going to die. 
Peter does fall into temptation. He does deny him three times that night. But John records something in scripture about Judas walking into the garden of Gethsemane that a lot of believers miss. They all remember, they've seen it in the movies. Judas comes up, he says, the one I kiss, he's the one. And he walks up and he betrays Jesus with a kiss. And Jesus says, with a kiss, Judas? And they arrest Jesus and take him before Pilate. But John stressing the fact that Jesus is God and giving the I am statements records that night and he adds a little more detail for all of us who go, man, it's just so sad. Like Jesus was just this like wonderful guy who's trying to do good and these authorities in his life were just so awful and, and hurtful to him. And it just, you know, you want to see him kind of stand up for himself and stuff. And just in case you think Jesus was this like wimpy guy who went to the cross because just the world's so evil and nasty and just always gets what it wants. Read John. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, who do you seek? What? Jesus, knowing they're coming, here they come, they're coming up the hill. I mean, for all of you who picture, I'm here, I'm here, you can come get me. Jesus sees this Roman cohort, 100 soldiers walking up the hill, and he walks towards them. Who do you seek? Who looks like they're in control right now? You picture, <laughs> no, he walks forward, John. He said, who do you guys seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Must have been dark, guys, he's standing right there, right? Jesus said, I am he. Now there's an I am statement, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. What does scripture say about Judas? When he went off to betray him, it says the devil went into him. The devil's like leading this, just, just entering into Judas, and Judas coming and betraying Jesus. The devil's in front of him, and so Judas standing before him, who betrayed him. When Jesus said to them, I am he, look what scripture says, they drew back and fell to the ground. How many of you remember this recorded in scripture? They drew back, I'm he, and fell to the ground. Now I'm Judas here for a minute. You say, Chris, don't be so hard on yourself. Just work with the story. I'm Judas. Who's inside of me? The devil. Who is laying on the ground flat underneath the I am? You have a visual imagery of the devil laying on the ground flat the night before God was crucified. Who's in control right now? Who do you seek? He had to ask him again. It's like they forgot. Who do you seek? When he said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. He asked him again, who do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I told you that I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. Then Simon Peter, watching all this, hundreds of soldiers, Jesus going, I am he, goes, oh, it's on. Grabs his sword. Peter, what? It's on. Gets him, boom, he starts going. And you're like, that's a man I can follow, okay? No, no, boom, he says it, and Jesus 
Peter, put your sword in your sheath. Huh? Put your sword in your sheath. But these Roman Tars, they ain't come here to make Jews great again. I came here for my kingdom. I am of a kingdom of another place. You are behaving like it's for here. I am of another place. Put your sheath away. But I want to dance. I know you want to dance and I love you. That's why you're my dog. But no. <laughs> Peter put his sheath back. Jesus healed the ear. Turns to Peter. And I want all believers in this room who's sick of getting bullied sometimes in your life by authority. He turns to Peter and he says, do you not know that at any time I can call down 12 legions. How much was in a legion? 5,000 Roman soldiers. I can call down 12, 5,000 legions of angels. I bet Michael, the archangel's watching this going, we don't need all them. I'll do it myself. Shh. Let me dance. You will. You'll get your day. You'll all get your day, angelic realm, because I know you see Satan laying on the ground before me. I know you all see it. We see through the supernatural. And so Jesus, knowing that any moment he could, he could wreck house if he wants to, goes, he chained up my savior, he slam thorns into his head that make him bleed. They beat him, punch him, make fun of him, mock him. He goes before Pilate and doesn't talk. And Pilate goes, do you not know I have the authority to kill you? And Jesus drops this bomb. You would have no authority if my father didn't give it to you. Hmm. Seems like he was in control the whole time, child of God. And they whooped him up on that cross, having submitted to his authority here on earth because of an ultimate authority. And he died for you and me. You don't get to go to heaven without witnessing the remarkable submission of Jesus Christ to his Father's will. Not my own, but yours be done. So, if you're ever tempted to think submissions for weak people, you're reading from a different Bible than I am because Jesus exemplifies submission. So whenever I choose to do so in honor to my heavenly father, I am copying and walking in the steps of the greatest, greatest man that's ever walked the face of the earth, the God man, Jesus Christ. And Peter watched it. And that's the only thing I can think made such a change in Peter's life. This guy will dance with anybody. And he watched Jesus do that. And he watched Jesus not crumble when he couldn't handle the pressure himself and ended up telling a little schoolgirl, no, I don't follow Jesus. And that impacted Peter. And he writes to the church, here's, here's what I know about life. I want you to live like this. Beloved, oh, I love you guys. I urge you, that always marks a new section, as sojourners and exiles, not as citizens, but sojourners, you're just passing through. Not as, I got rights, but as exiles that have none. You're just aliens. I urge you, 
as sojourners and exiles, I want you to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Ah, that felt good. Say, I'm not cutting anybody's ear off. Yeah, but you probably went like this a little bit. Because we're saying a bunch of stuff right now that is just urges. Oh, you know what I want to say. Oh, that's good. That's good. Post that. that that's all. I got stuff to say. And we're, and we're struggling, okay? So give us all grace, Lord. We're struggling. Okay, but they wage war. They're going, I know, I know I should, I'm, I'm, I'm at war within myself. Abstain. It literally means to hold yourself back from. Any young people in here, you ever go to like uh, amusement park and you go on that ride called the music machine? If you don't know what I'm talking about, they blast music in your ears, okay? And, you're, and the ride goes like this and you go in a big circle. Like it says like Himalaya or something like that. Well, I remember going on these, especially when I was a youth pastor and we were going on with the teens and, I, and they'd go around and, and the heavier people would push the smaller person, right? They just slammed them and, and there was no grace. It was like, let's crush her, right? And so if brothers and sisters got together, I know in our family, this is how it worked. Like, hey, don't tell us what's gonna happen, all right? And they're like letting their hands go and they're smashing them together, if you know the ride. And then the ride stops and they go, now we're going backwards, right? Now if I go on that ride, I'm like, I don't, I don't like my life right now. I don't. <laughs> Like I, I'm walking around Ocean City on the boardwalk. Like I hate my life for riding that right now. But, but when you're younger, you can go around all you want. But I remember I would try as a loving father to not crush my children. That wasn't all fathers and I would do it for a time period. You don't have to judge me. But you'd hold yourself back, right? You'd hold the bar. Like, come on, I'm like, ah, if I let go, oh, pull back. Okay, and you pull yourself up and you fight against all that. That's the idea. Peter goes, it takes everything in me to hold myself back from what I want to do. He says, so instead, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that then when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of submission, on the day of visitation. Keep your conduct so good, restrain yourself so much that when people see you and they speak evil against you, like, wait a minute, Peter, Peter, I thought I was supposed to live a good life so people speak well of me. Oh, no, they're going to hate you regardless, Peter's like. It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, you can act like a bunch of saints. They're going to blame me for everything. They're going to, Nero's going to make it all your fault. It's never going to be, but, but even when they do, let them see your good works and walk around going, man, that church is awesome. Nope, it's not the goal. It's not the goal. What's the goal? That they might see your good works and glorify, man, that God they serve is awesome. It's about glorifying God. And in so many churches, we can fall into the trap of going, I want the world to like us. The world's not gonna like you. It's not gonna happen. They're gonna speak as if you're evildoers. It's like your theology is what's wrecking this whole world, right? But they might see your good deeds and glorify God. Here's my first of three. Remarkable submission includes a remarkable refraining. How many of you are college football fans? How many of you know how bad the, the rivalries get down south in college football? I mean, we north, we got a bunch of issues and southerners come up here and they're like, you guys are so intense. Y'all sit there like, and then you're like, I loved it, it was great. Yeah, but you were like, the whole time, right? We're more reserved than northeast. They say, everybody's friendlier down south, all these things. If you come from the south, you know what I'm talking about. Not when it comes to college football. There are deep-seated issues down there, especially if you're from Alabama. 
Has anybody ever, has any, we got people from our church are like, Chris, you better watch right now. Okay, just don't, not yet. But there is a rivalry between Alabama and Auburn that borderlines on civil war. All right, they, they don't like each other, they hate each other, okay? Yeah, that whole North Carolina, Duke, North Carolina, that's cute. What goes on there is, is scary. And, and especially, it happened, it really came to a, a, a front a few years back. Have any of you, or if you're familiar with Auburn, does anybody know what Toomer's Corner is? Toomer's Corner is the place where all the Auburn fans go to celebrate victories. And what they do, there's this huge tradition where they take toilet paper and throw it all over these two specific trees. Can you see which ones they pick? Okay, you're looking, okay, okay. And they, and they all celebrate around and they get there and there's this huge celebration and, and, and all excitement and there's nothing more celebratory than when they win the famous game against Alabama called the, oh, we got some people, the Iron Bowl. Well, Auburn had won one and one Alabama fan had had enough. Calls into an ESPN radio station. There's actually a documentary on this you can watch calls into one of the radio stations and says, I just put herbicide spike ADDF on those two trees. And the ESPN's like, hi, yeah, okay, all right. Okay, sir, calm down, it's just a game. No, I did it. Big Southern accent. I did, I, I put it on them trees. <laughs> sir, are you being serious? Oh yeah, and they're gonna die. And then he gives a big old roll tide. And they're like, sir, are you actually, sir, that would be against the law. Did you really do that? Yeah, they're going down. Everybody's like, is this for real? Well, guess what? He did. And they did fry up. Now Auburn's replaced them and the tradition continues. But he did do this and he spent some time in jail for it and had quite a hefty fine. And when they confronted him on it, do you know what he said? Like as if this was an excuse, like, hey. He said, what, what's wrong with you kinda? And he said, I'm sorry, there's just too much Bama in me. <laughs> and Alabama fans are like, yeah, I get it, man. It's cool, man, I get it. Like, that's how, that's, that's how it is. That's how, I mean, I'm crazy. You can travel yourself. Like, Alabama, like, yeah, it's got, it's, he's got a point. What I'm moving in from refraining, okay? Refraining. As we move into the subject of submission, we can't be like, yeah, I know that's what the Bible says, but just, there's just too much American in me. That's why we can't read the Bible that way. We have to understand God wrote this for all of us, for all generations, regardless of what country we're in. Okay, and so we can't just say, hey, I'm sorry, man, it's just too much American to me. And we gotta be able to understand when we're fighting for something we believe is more of a, a political or an aspect of our citizenship, and when it's the scripture, and we can't confuse the two, or it can really, really, really destroy your testimony. And really, really, really hurt the principles that are given in scripture on how to lead our lives. Remarkable submission carries remarkable refraining. There are things that wage war against your souls, guys. And, and, and Peter was clear, it's malice. 
Evil attitudes and deceit, dishonest behavior wages war, hypocrisy, envy, slander, walking around trashing your authorities all the time is not healthy for you. It's not good. Resentment is not good inside of you, okay? Always being angry at your boss, always pretending to be something with somebody and not with another at school. Whatever the authority figure is, it's not healthy for you. It wages war at your soul. Instead, Peter doesn't give it to us, but Paul does. We're to put on, and we've been talking about this week, compassion and kindness and humility meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. And when the world sees these traits in us, they're supposed to glorify you? No, God, wow. What kind of God do they have that despite the way they're getting treated, they still have compassion? I know of a company, kind of a famous one, sells chicken, you can figure it out. They had people picketing against their business. They went out and gave them all food. Here you go. Since you're out here anyway, What? Kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love, even even under Nero. (laughs) And then Peter digs in, he goes, I want you to be subject. The word means to submit. I want you to submit for the Lord's sake, for Nero's sake. I mean, he's a great guy. No, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by who? How would you feel if you were an authority figure, you put somebody in authority, and then one of your children was completely ignoring the authority that you put into place? You would correct them. Are the governors and the authorities as sent by God? He has allowed them, including Nero? Including Nero. Why would he do that? You live in a sin-cursed earth. This is how I want you to behave. They are to punish those who do evil and they are to praise those who do good. They have a role and they have a part of this organization and you are to be subject to them. The word carries the idea of to arrange under. You are to arrange yourself under the authority that I have put in place. So, so, So you're telling me if I'm speeding down the road, I shouldn't I should stop speeding, not because I'll get caught, but because I'm submitting to a higher authority who put the person in charge that told me what the speeding limit is. So actually, when I obey my governing authorities, I'm actually obeying you, God. Peter's going, now you're following me. You leapfrog the authority you see in human flesh and understand there is an ultimate authority over you. Now keep in mind, if that thing in your back of your head's going, but what if they are dealing with Nero? Teenager, you might just be dealing with dad, and I hope he's not Nero. But submitting to dad might be very difficult, but this is something that we're called to do. Be subject, he continues, for this is the will of God. I wonder what God's will is in regards to uh, authority. This is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Foolish people are gonna charge you and false accuse you and come after you just because you're a child of God, but you're gonna put them to shame because of your doing good. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Now keep in mind, he's writing into a Roman time period where there were some 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire at that time. There was a very clear distinction between a free man 
and one who is a slave. Very clear distinction. And please remember our apologetic. Just because the Bible describes something does not mean it prescribes something. And it's describing the time period of the time. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. This is evil what this government is allowing, so I'm gonna blow this clinic up and kill more people. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as living servants. Oh, you're a slave. It's just a God. And that servant there is a bond servant in its original language. The idea carrying is a voluntary servant of God. That's who is my ultimate authority. So God, I'm going to do what you say to do. Submit to your governing authorities. Okay. I'm going to do, but, but submit to your governing authority. Nero, honor everyone Four injunctions. Honor everyone means to attribute worth to everyone. Peter is so politically incorrect in writing that he probably risks a lot of his reputation in writing honor everyone. For slaves in the Roman Empire were considered its. You don't honor an it. And Peter's going, honor everyone. There is no partiality with Peter. There is no partiality with scripture. There's no room for it. And he says, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. The idea is unconditional love, not based on whether they love you, but sacrificial love. The brotherhood is the same word that's used for of the same womb. We're supposed to treat them as if they're in our family. Fear God. That means to be reverent, fear of him, honor the emperor. How hard must that have been to read for them? Honor the emperor? Nero, my my mom is dead because of that monster. How dare you write that, Peter? It's just better for you to do that. Remarkable submission carries the idea not only of remarkable refraining, but remarkable yielding. That's what the word means. It means to yield. You don't know what yield means? Head on up into Quakertown. There's a circle there, okay? <laughs> you'll, learn, you'll learn a lot about yourself, okay? Yielding is allowing someone to go first, to place yourself behind in that situation. Paul doubles down in Romans. He writes, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Sculptors have done a 3D rendering now of Nero's sculpt, sculpture and kind of creepy. Okay, second one. He continues, Paul says, therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. There's an apologetic that's building, submitting to authority Peter, not caring if it's corrupt or not, is God's will for the church he's writing to. And then he goes even deeper. He says, servants. Wait, servants? You're going to actually address the servants? Yes. But they're not people. Yes, they are. They're not full people, one scholar wrote about their view. Yes, they are. 
Peter says, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also the unjust. Wait, 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 wait. The unjust? How, how? Peter, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. Wait a minute. When I suffer unjustly for something, because of what I know about God and the fact that he has allowed that authority over my life for such a time as this, that gets grace from him? Yes. For what credit is it, Peter says? For what credit is it? One slide, please. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it and you endure? What credit is it when you do the wrong thing and you're punished for it and you endure? Hey, I did the wrong thing and I got like discipline for it, but I survived. Like, what do you think of that? What? There's no credit for that. Oh, but if when you do good and suffer for it and you endure, God looks at that and goes, I see it. That's my boy. That's my girl. That's a gracious thing in the sight of God. People call me a wimp. I know. You care about them more than me? But people think I'm soft. Care about more them more than me? This is a gracious thing when I see you do good and suffer for it. And don't we get tested with authority? Some of you know me. Some of you know my past growing up. I've always had a little bit of an issue with authority, okay? My dad's probably smiling. Listen to me preach this message. Good one, God, right? I mean, this has been a struggle for most of life. In fact, a lot of my drive in life is due to the fact, if I'm honest with my flesh, I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I mean, some of you like me. Don't judge me. You're like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really like that either. I mean, I don't really care if I do that or not, but just don't tell me to do it because I ain't doing it because you just told me to do it. God has made some of you bulldogs. I love you guys. All right, I want you in my trenches, but you need this filter in your life because you've almost kind of been built with a desire to fight and God uses fighters. There was Simon the Zealot was part of the 12, okay? But they have to have the filter of God's grace on it. And I think we get tested with authority. I don't care if it's a classroom, whether it's a politician, whatever, we get tested with authority. Here's some of the tests I think we go through. Have you ever been asked by an authority figure to do something trivial? Like it's so beneath you, it's embarrassing. Like really? Yeah, man, we need you to do that. I mean, you totally disrespect me asking me to do that. That's so far beneath my potential. And it's like God's up there going, are you willing to do this little things? <laughs> yes. Good, then I can trust you with much. How about the insult test? Some of you might work for somebody who just constantly insults you and demeans you. Like, I'll respect the position. This guy is a jerk, God. He really is. Submit to my authorities. Okay, I'm gonna worship you by, oh. You ever have to fight through that? I know some of you. Get insulted in the workplace is very difficult. God sees it. It's a gracious thing when you suffer, even doing good. How about the excessive test? Somebody's just being too hard. It's too hard on you. It's coming down too hard on you. Young people, you probably have authority figures in your life. They're clearly being harder on you than someone else. And you know it. Everybody's even willing to admit it. And you're suffering under that. It's a gracious thing when you keep doing good under that kind of suffering in God's eyes. How about the senseless test? You, 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 you just have to, you're underneath an authority right now who's completely senseless. 
Like, yeah, Chris, we come to this church. We don't understand this one. No, no, not that. Not, but, but just like somebody who's just like, come on, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, that's craziness. When you submit to that out of respect to God, he sees that. That's a gracious thing. How about unjust? I mean, Peter just got through it. Sometimes our leaders are unjust. So am I just supposed to be a whipping boy? I mean, if you can get out from under the authority, hey, praise God. But some things we can't get out from under. We don't have control of that. And it's a gracious thing in God's eyes when we suffer mindful of God under that kind of thing. For this is why you've been called, Peter says. You've got a calling because Christ also suffered for you. That's your motivation. He left you an example, Peter says, so that you might follow in his steps. I am him. And then he led to this. When I suffer under authorities, there's something in heaven that goes, you're doing what Jesus did. Doesn't make it right what they're doing, but we're called to suffer like Christ at times under authority. And, and we've messed up, right? All of us messed up. All of us have done things. We kind of have some of this coming to us. But Jesus did nothing, Peter says. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. He not only didn't sin, he didn't even talk about sinning. He didn't, he didn't even just submit to his authority. He didn't turn around to the disciples and trash the authority the entire time either. Called him out at times. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. This is starting to penetrate my parenting. Yo, he punked you? Punk him back. What, what? I mean, that's the American way, baby. And then I read this, and I'm like, okay, he did, he, when people mocked him, he didn't go, yeah, well, you're an idiot too. Oh, yeah, well, you're an idiot too. That wasn't Jesus. Can you imagine if he did? Oh, my word. He himself bore our sins. Whose sins? Oh, now it's getting personal. Jesus took my sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Because he died, you got healed. For you were straying all around like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Your number one authority is Jesus is God. Everybody else, he's allowed to be in position over you right now. But anytime you submit to that authority, you're actually submitting to him. Remarkable submission is remarkable refraining, yielding, and entrusting. But what if I'm being asked to do something wrong? You might say. Are there times when our authorities are telling us to do something that's wrong? Oh, there's times. In fact, I, I go back to an illustration I saw in the movie Courageous. You ever see this film? We're thankful they, they gave us the rights to use this clip. I want to show you a three and a half minute clip of someone who was being asked to do something by an authority figure that was clearly wrong. He didn't have to wonder what the Bible said. And he followed the principle that I submit to God ultimately, and this is something I can't do. Oh, but what happens is very 
Very remarkable, let's put it that way. And, and after the video, I wanna leave us with a few thoughts on is there a time to resist authority? And, and if I do submit, what is submission? And what is submission not? That's how we'll conclude today. But I want us to conclude that way with this example in our heads. So say here, it's about a three and a half minute video. And I want you to watch this clip on a young man entrusting himself to God. Martinez, have a seat. Thank you, sir. You've been very productive your first month here. You do good work. I'm very grateful to be here. Well, Mr. Martinez, the reason I called you in here is that I'm looking for an additional manager to oversee inventory and shipping. It carries more responsibility, but it pays more. Sound like something you might be interested in? Yes, I would. But before I make my final decision, I'd like for you to work a shift in that department next week. You'll see a list of 17 crates coming in on this sheet. One of those crates will be going to a separate warehouse. Mr. Martinez, when you report the inventory, I'd like for you to report that we received 16 crates. 17 are coming in. But you want me to write down 16? Yes, that's right. I have another purpose for the extra crate. You are on my team, right? Because I really can't use people who aren't on my team. Tell you what. You think about it tonight and give me your answer in the morning. Make it 10 o'clock. But I'll need to know if you really want this job. Good evening, sir. Javi, we need this job. For the first time in a year, we're able to pay the bills. No, Carmen, but he made it very clear. If I was not a team player, he did not want me there. Maybe it's not wrong. It just looks that way. He's the owner of the factory. He asked me to write down false information, Carmen. He asked me to lie. When do you have to give him an answer? 10 o'clock. Javi, if he lets you go, promise me that you will call me. If you don't, then I know everything is okay. Javi, I don't want us to go back. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mr. Martinez. How are you this morning? Fine, thank you. How are you? I don't know yet. Please, have a seat. I trust you've had time to think about our conversation yesterday. Yes, sir, I did. And what did you decide? Are you on my team? Mr. Tyson, I am very grateful to have a job here. But I cannot do as you have asked. And why is that? 
Because it is wrong, sir. And it would be dishonoring to my God and my family to lie on that report. Do you understand what this may do to your job here? Yes, sir, I do. Javier, may I shake your hand? Young man, you just gave me the right answer. I've been looking for someone to manage inventory and shipping, and quite frankly, you were the last person on my list. But I need somebody I can trust. Will you take the job? We'll adjust your pay. I'll be honored to, sir. Good. Then the job is yours. Now, Walter will go over all the specifics with you, and I'll make the announcement to the staff on Monday. Congratulations, Javier. Oh, and Javier, thanks for your integrity. It's rare. Well done, Javier. After six times, I was getting discouraged. He's going to Applebee's, right? <laughs> <laughs> You know, it doesn't always work that way. And Peter acknowledged that. Sometimes it works the exact opposite. But is there a time to resist to authority? I mean, it was Peter who was challenged to not listen or listen when they said, do not speak the word anymore. I've built an apologetic in my life that when I'm wondering what I need to do, whether my conscience is seared or not, I need to follow what God says and trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not on my understanding, because you know what? My understanding will make up stories. He'll probably say this. You know what? I don't have another option. Or you know what? A lot of people are saying this. Well, a lot of people are saying that. I can't lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I've got to acknowledge him. That means before every effort, I've got to pray, and then he'll make my path straight. God, I'm going to submit to my authority. I'm not sure if it's the right thing or not, but I know you told me to do that, so I'm going to submit it. If it's, if it's bad, it's on you. He's like, yeah, do that. Lord, I, I feel like I can't do that. I can't do that, God. I, I, I'm feeling led, but if I'm wrong, leave me. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a decision. I call them in trust dates. God always seems to work when I go, God, I'm making the decision to do this this date. Make my path straight if I'm off. Scripture says, be subject. Look at this verse. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution in 1 Peter 2.13. But out of Peter's mouth in Acts 5.29, he says, we must obey God rather than men. You, you say, well, what about the Hebrew midwives? They didn't have 1 Peter 2.13. They did what they felt was right. What about Daniel not, not listening and, and being thrown in the den? Well, Daniel's faith was incredible, but he was an incredibly submissive man as well. But there were times 
where there were things that were done that made it impossible to obey God, and they took a stand. If they're going to do one thing, they're going to follow that they must obey God rather than men. And everybody has to kind of work through their own feelings on the subject of whether this is right or wrong, because sometimes we interpret things a little bit differently. But we must always have the filter. Acts, we believe in progressive revelation. Acts was done during a transitionary period before Peter, okay? We use it for different doctrinal beliefs and different thought processes to say, well, in the beginning, the Bible was like this, and then as it worked along, now we're here. Well, here we have 1 Peter, all right, saying, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution from the same person who said it's better to obey God than men. So what I have in my filter is the only time And it should be of the last resort. I should be begging God to provide a way, even when there seems to be no way. Even if it's a 10 on a stone lot, if he provides a way, take the way. Submit to your authority. But if you're being asked to sin, you gotta take that to the Lord and go, God, I can't sin because of this authority. And if you're a person who's under authority that you can't get out from, There's even more instruction next week. But if you're suffering unjustly, I want you to know that God sees you. But I also want you to leave here with a proper understanding of what Peter's telling us about submission. One, what submission is and what I see it's not. Submission is God's will. Submission's not always my will. And when I submit to something, I have to kind of go, not my will, but yours, God. Because I mean, I believe this is crazy. I know what you believe. You've told me every night in prayer. Okay, just wanna make sure you know. Since you put the authority in my life, God, I'm gonna entrust you. Submission is commanded. I noticed it's not suggested. So there is an obedience thing here with the Lord. Submission is yielding, not aligning. Well, if I do that, it means I agree with everything. Not at all. Actually, not at all. In fact, sometimes it means the opposite. I'm gonna do this out of respect for God. It has nothing to do with the authority over me. Submission is respectful or honoring. It does not mean approval. I approve of everything that's going on. No, when you submit to authority, it does not mean you approve of everything that's going on. You're saying, I respect the position that my ultimate authority put in place. Submission is entrusting. It's not trusting. Okay, I'm going to entrust my submission to authority to God, but it doesn't mean I trust the authority. In fact, I'm going to keep as much distance as I can from that, if at all possible, to live a quiet life, Peter calls me to before the Lord. And submission is worship. You're following in Jesus' footsteps. It's not weakness. And frankly, if I can be just real bold for the last second here, I'm getting a little tired of believers calling people weak for demonstrating submission. I'm trying to raise my daughter better than that. I think we ought to listen to scripture about submission. It's strength. Who do you seek? Jesus of Nazareth. I'm him. Thank you, Jesus, for submitting to God's will.
For if you would have done anything else, I don't get to go to heaven. I don't get to be born. I don't get to experience the glories of being born again. But Lord, we're in a time period where all our authorities are disagreeing with each other and it's hard for us, God. We can't get a handle around what we're supposed to do. You know that though, Lord. We're in a time period, Lord, where we're being asked to do things at times we don't feel necessarily comfortable with. God, would you direct us? We're in a time period, Lord, that we haven't, if we're honest, really felt. And so we're confused at times and we're growing at times when, God, we want to do what's right by you, not only organizationally, but individually. But it's difficult, God. Lord, would you help us see when we're operating in the rights of being a citizen in this great country, or when we're operating and being a child of God, and may we understand the difference and not mix the two, for there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being a citizen of this country, standing up for what you believe. But there's a lot wrong with not obeying scriptures, clear teaching on how a believer is supposed to live whether their authority is awesome, like Jesus, or whether their authority is awful, like Nero. May we be guided by this text. May we walk in humility. May we not judge others who see it a little bit differently. For Lord, there are some ways to really see this and see opportunities to say, you know what? I believe that's wrong. And so Lord, would you give grace to those who make those decisions. But at the end of the day, may they leave going, we made a decision, not fully knowing everything, but knowing we wanted to honor God and give that to you and entrust it to you. Some might say it's reckless and bold and, and wrong. Some might say that was the greatest move ever, but may our goal never be to please men, but to please God. And in doing so, we know you'll make our path straight. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for your truth. With humility, may we be guided and may no division be known of this place when we might think a little differently. In Jesus' name, amen.